You have, as a church, if you've ever said, I didn't read through some books in the Bible. It's hard for me to read through some books in the Bible. I just want to let you know, as a church, uh, I'm about to celebrate in June my fifth year as the pastor of the church. And as a church, we have gone through about four or five books of the Bible already. We have preached through them. So if you've been a faithful attender, you've seen us go through the book of Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. We've been through the book of Ephesians together. We're going through the book of Exodus together. So we've been through a lot, a lot, a lot of books of the Bible together. That is my preferred form of speaking or preaching or delivering a message. Why? Because I believe that you learn from that. And we begin to dispel myths and stuff that you see on TV. And we begin to address certain issues that are popular in our culture as it relates to the word. And we could address those issues. And we could tackle those issues because that's God's will for his church. He doesn't want us to shy away from even the most difficult things for us to hear in his word. And this morning it brings us to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. Again, that's Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. Exodus chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. Hallelujah. We bless your name, Jesus. When you have it, yell out, scream out a powerful amen. Hallelujah. And I'm reading from the, uh, the New King James Version here. And they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of sin. Let me just pause right there. This is not a metaphor at all. Okay? That was literally the name of the place. It doesn't mean sin as in missing the mark, as in sinning before God. It's just the name of the place. Between Elam and Mount Sinai, they arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. And there, too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. Let me tell you something. There is a history of people complaining about leaders. They're the easiest target. You've ever worked in an office building before? Who's the easiest person to complain about in your office? Isn't it your boss? Because your boss does everything wrong. Here's the problem. You've never sat in your boss's chair to know the decisions that have to go through his head or her head and everything that has to pass through their desk that makes them who they are or makes them manage who they are. And guess what? One day if you're a supervisor, then you're somebody else's boss too. And one day somebody else will complain about you. And it just continues to trickle down. It's the trickle-down theory of complaint of leadership. Verse 3 says, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. (laughs) They moaned, and there we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread we wanted. Let me tell you something. Pause for a second. Here's one thing that they're forgetting to mention, but we were beaten. We were bruised. We were slaves. We were kept in chains. We couldn't have our freedom. But all we focus on is the benefits that we got in that time. We're not focusing on the freedom right now. And it says, but now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. As I continue as a pastor And as a person to grow and mature in life, I've discovered that in order to achieve success, you have to be focused. 
In planning for the future, you must anticipate the many pitfalls and potholes that you will encounter on the road of life. I've also learned this, that anything, anything that is worthwhile is bound to be a bitter battle to attain. The higher your goal is, the harder the climb it will be to reach the top. A focused individual is one who aims well at the target and pulls his bow of opportunity to the final stretch after letting the arrow of destiny fly. Exodus 16 tells us that Israel was in the wilderness on their way to Canaan. But they had begun to face some very bitter experiences along the way. The ghosts of of hunger and thirst had raised their head and it frightened them. And they were frightened to the extent that they began to think about the times that they were in Egypt. They became discouraged before they had hardly gotten started. They had been on the road for only a few days and but a few miles from Mount Sinai. But yet because they had missed a meal or two, they wanted to end up going back to the slave camps of Egypt. And so this morning I want to title my message, Stinking Thinking. If we could place that up on the screen. Stinking Thinking. It's either God's promise or our failure. We get to choose. God had broken their chains. He had parted the sea for them. He had delivered them from Pharaoh's army. He had drowned their enemies and yet they wanted to go back to making brick from mud balls. Just to eat again from pots filled with meat. They wanted to sell their future for a bite to eat. And seeing that freedom was quite a costly venture, they feared to pay the price. They had their eyes on Canaan, but their minds were still on Egypt. They looked one way and thought another. They talked freedom, but thought slavery. They started out watching God as he led them through the clouds by day and the fire by night. But at the same time, they wanted to hold on to Pharaoh's hand. Canaan and Egypt were in the same valley but in extreme opposite directions. To reach one, you have to turn your back on the other. There are two great places in the affection of these people at this time. One was the brutality of slavery, but the benefit of government support. And the other was the hope of their future. Shackles in one, songs in the other. Freedom in Canaan and slavery in Egypt. They were halted between the call of chains and the call of wings. Chains to hold them to their past but wings to lift them to new heights. Israel would rather go back into bondage than to pay the price of victory. So many times we act like the children of Israel. We would rather go back into the bondage of the enemy than to fight back for our victory. So many times we'd rather settle for the muck and the mire of mediocrity than to strive for the pursuit and possession of the promised land in our lives. So many times in the body of Christ, we can't reach Canaan because we're simply too busy thinking about Egypt. Our eyes are on Canaan, but our minds are on Egypt. The scripture states that as soon as they hit the highway, they began to murmur against the leader saying, we wish that we would have died by the hand of God in the land of Egypt. At least we would have had our stomachs filled. 
I don't know about you, but if you're thinking logically, let me just think for a second, just for a moment, just, uh, just a little bit. If you're thinking logically, do I prefer to be alive or do I prefer to have steak in my stomach? I don't know. For me, that's a no-brainer. I think I'd like to be alive. I think I'd like to breathe. I think I'd like to have hope for the future. But these folks didn't understand that. Why? Because while they were acting in freedom, their minds were in slavery. Isn't it funny how we constantly live in the past? Isn't it funny how we concentrate on how things used to be, on what we used to have, on what we used to do? Let me tell you something. Memories are good to have. And it's good to reminisce, but I want to let you know that you can't progress by living in the past. We can never move forward if we keep looking backwards. The Lord has been constantly proving himself to us, taking us through danger seen and unseen. Yet every time he tries to take us to the next level, we stand there looking over our shoulder in retrospect, contemplating the past. Well, wasn't it better when I had everything like this? Well, wasn't it easier when I had everything like this? And let me tell you, everyone is guilty about it. I just had a conversation with my wife the other day. I said, you remember when we first got married? It was tough. But I love those days. Remember when I used to work at Banana Republic? It was tough, but we could do whatever we wanted at that time. You see, you, you, you can get stuck in your past, and your past will not let you move forward. How many times has the Lord placed in your spirit to move concerning a job opportunity, concerning a business venture, or God is calling you to a new spiritual level? And as you began to move concerning that specific issue, you began to encounter roadblocks that the enemy designed to delay, deter, detain, and discourage and derail your progression. And instead of you trusting in the one who gave you the ability to move in the first place, you suddenly get a case of coulda, woulda, shoulda. You ever heard that before? No, I didn't just speak in tongues. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. I could have. I should have. If only I would have. You've ever been there before? See, Israel was so concerned with eating from the flesh pots of Pharaoh that they were willing to give up an entire land flowing with milk and honey. I don't know. Uh, do I want the little pot in one square foot? Not even one square foot. Do I want the little, let's pretend it's one square foot. Do I want the little pot in one square foot because it has the nice meat on it? Or do I want the hundreds of thousands of millions of acres that God wants to give me so that I can possess a land of my own? See, sometimes we get stuck on the one square foot when God wants to give you the hundreds of thousands of acres and the land of his promise. Do not get stuck, church of Jesus Christ. Folks, Focusing on your past, it's time to move forward. Likewise, we get so caught up in our yesterdays that we can never get to our tomorrows. The Lord is offering us eternal happiness. He offers us eternal peace. He offers us eternal life if we would just turn our minds as well as our hearts to him. If we would just stop allowing the enemy to convince us to return to the things that God has already brought us out from. I want you to fill in the blanks this morning. Here's the real problem. Although God has delivered you from blank, 
although God, and you insert your issue right there. We really, we really haven't come out of them. God has brought you out of pornography. He's brought you out of adultery. He has brought you into freedom, but you still can't progress because although he's brought you out of it, you haven't brought it out of you. That's the issue. Although God has delivered you from these things, although God delivered you from addiction, although God delivered you from pornography, although God delivered you from sin, still your mind is on those things and you miss what God is trying to do in your life. God's delivered you from gossiping, but you're still trying to get up in everybody else's business, stirring up trouble. Although he's delivered you from debt, you're still robbing Peter to pay Paul, living from paycheck to paycheck. Why? Because your mind has not accepted the fact that God has brought you out. So you continue to long for what you left in Egypt. And until you change your thinking, until you change your mindset, Until you change your focus, you'll never be able to enter the promised land. The word of God that says that we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. It is only by our renewed thinking that we can take on and possess the mindset that God has called us to have. Although they had changed their location physically. Although they had changed their location physically. It would take a mental relocation of the mind for Israel to grab hold of what God had in store for them. It's why God had to let an entire generation of Israelites pass away in the desert before they could get into the land. Because the previous generation wasn't letting go of their stinking thinking. They still had their minds on Egypt. So God had to move forward with the next generation. Not until we really start believing in our deliverance, in the salvation of our loved ones, speaking it into existence. Are we going to be able to grasp hold of what God has in store for us in the promised land? Friends, you have to change your focus. You've got to shift your focus on things that matter. There are priorities in life and there are happens chances in life. Realize what's a priority and what needs to be shelved for a little while. This, friends, is a priority. All too often, it's not a priority to many of us, but this is a priority. I just read something on Facebook the other day. All these people saying, hey, if, if it meant between choosing me and my faith, I'd rather go to prison. Let me tell you something. For some of you, we wouldn't be able to tell what faith you follow. The cops wouldn't be willing to drag you in prison. They probably couldn't even get a conviction on you if they took it to court. That's a problem. If that's an issue in your life. If you can't tell that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're not ablaze on fire for Jesus, then something needs to shift in your life. There needs to be a change in focus in your life. Number two, you need to have faith in those appointed over you. Everybody thinks, hey, well, you know, this just happens, just happenstance. Let me tell you, God doesn't just haphazardly appoint leaders without regard to what the need of the people is. For he knows who and what we need. Jeremiah 3.15 lets us know that the Lord will give us pastors according to his own heart. Remember, Moses didn't volunteer for this job. He was appointed. He was chosen. He was called. And whom God calls, he also qualifies. I want to stress that. Because so many people get caught up on how many degrees and suffixes a preacher has behind his or her name. 
or the size of the church that they pastor. God didn't call you to go to school or to be a professional student. He called you to proclaim his word and lead people. Don't get me wrong. There's absolutely nothing wrong with education. I love education. I'm all for it. But you can't allow it to stand in the way of what God has called you to do. Likewise, we can't simply judge the one God has called simply by how many letters are behind their name. Moses couldn't even speak clearly. But God chose him to lead the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. Moses wasn't a geography major. He didn't know the lay of the land. He was just following God as he led people through the desert. So many times we want to pick our leader based on their stature or what we see with the naked eye. But I want to share with you something. God looks at the heart. Remember when the Lord sent Samuel to anoint a king after Israel rejected Saul. He looked at all of Jesse's sons. He passed them in almost like a military-like review. But it wasn't until he saw David that the Lord told him which one was to be anointed king. You see, God looks at the inside while we focus on the outside. I want you to remember that. Because the next time you look in the mirror and you say, but I can't, I can't do it. It can't be me. But I just don't have this. I'm not qualified. Let me tell you something. If God called you qualify you when God chooses a leader for his people we've we've got to not only have enough confidence and trust in them but we've got to be able to trust God enough to follow the post that he's appointed over us if we're to continue to the promised land we've got to learn how to stop thinking about Egypt we got to take God at his word and we've got to have faith in those whom he has appointed over us Change your focus. Have faith in those appointed over you. Number three, you need to move and operate in the favor of the Lord. You need to move and operate in the favor of the Lord. To move and operate in the favor of the Lord literally means three things. And if you'd like to write anything down, write these things down. Three things. To move and operate in the favor of the Lord. To have the accessibility of his presence. Number one. To have the advantage of his power. Number two. And to have the availability of his promise. The accessibility of his presence. Is having access to the Father at all times. We have access to his presence 24 hours a day, 7 days a week through his son Jesus Christ. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the avenue by which we can enter into the presence of the Lord. When we find ourselves in the presence of the Lord, we'll find out things will begin to move and operate in accordance to God's plan. When we're focused on God's business, God takes care of our business. Situations in your life will begin to work themselves out. Circumstances in your life will begin to change. Dark nights in your life will begin to turn into bright and sunny days. For in his presence, we find sweet relief. And once you have the accessibility of his presence, you'll be able to grab hold of the advantage of his power. Which means that although it seems like the enemy has the upper hand, we actually have the advantage over him. Because God is our father and we are his children. We have the power to move in his authority. Let me just, some of you guys are, are, are not getting that. Because you're God's child, because you've received him as your Lord and Savior, you have the advantage of his power. So what does that mean? I'd love to pray for you, church. I love to have you next to me so that I could pray with you. 
that's awesome. I love you. I want to pray with you. But guess what? Pastor Tom doesn't have some magical prayer that he can bestow upon you. The same prayer that I can pray, you can pray. Because you're a child of God. The same demons that can be cast out by the apostles are the same demons you can cast out. We have the power to lay hands on the sick and call them healed. We have the power to call things that are not as though they were. And it's time that we begin to use that authority to call those things that are not. Your kid isn't saved, I call her saved in the name of Jesus. Your son isn't saved, I call them saved in the name of Jesus. You have family issues, I declare them null and void in the name of Jesus. Call those things that are not as though they were. Why? Because you have the authority. You have the advantage of his power. We have the power to tell the enemy to take his hand off of our families. We have the power to tell the enemy to take his hands off of anything that belongs to us. That is the advantage of the power of the living God. That is the advantage of the power of the living God. And because we have the accessibility of his presence, and because we have the advantage of his power, we're also able to receive the availability of his promises. For just as he promised the children of Israel a land flowing with milk and honey, he promised us a life of eternity. A life lived in more abundance. God promised us a life without sorrow and pain. Let me just pause here for a second. I know... I read the landscape of people. I have conversations with people all the time. For some of you, this is a great day. You're able to celebrate and have joy and have some great times with your friends and family. And so by virtue of us having that advantage, we tend to negate the opposite end of the coin. There are folks who for today... Mother's Day is a most painful day. Two reasons. Either they've desired the entirety of their lives to have children and they've never been able to. Or the person that they loved so dearly and that poured into their life is no longer present on this earth with them. And so for many today is a day of sadness. For many, today is a day of contemplation. For many women, they will sit on Facebook the whole day and see presentations of Happy Mother's Day and flowers everywhere. And they will remember. They will remember what they don't have anymore. They will remember the loved one that has gone away. They will remember what they wanted and they desire to have their whole life but, but couldn't. And so the promise of God becomes all too greater for us today. That God promises a life in abundance. And he promises us a life in eternity with him without sorrow and without pain. A relief from maybe what some of you may be feeling today. So if you want to move in a forward progression towards the kingdom. Friends, it's time to stop thinking about what should have, could have, and would have happened in your life. Those are no longer options for you anymore. Stop thinking about Egypt. Stop thinking about the past. Stop thinking about slavery and keep your eyes on Canaan and change your 
focus. I want to pause for a moment. Because I want to define Egypt. Because when preachers preach on this particular type of subject, sometimes Egypt is taken from a negative perspective. Oh, Egypt was something negative. It was a sin in the past. It was something that I I needed to get rid of in my life. Let me tell you something. Egypt doesn't have to be something negative. It could have been something good that was going on in your life, but God wanted to promote you to something greater. But you stood thinking about the good and not the greater. See, let me tell you something. I could set a campfire right here, right in front of the church and say, Risen King Church, I love you. I appreciate you. We have arrived as a church. We've done everything that we could. And you know what? I'm really happy with the size of the church. I'm happy with the congregation. I'm happy with the people. All of our needs are met as a church. And I'm just going to park myself here. And guess what? This is beautiful. You're beautiful. We love you. You're good. But God has greater. There's more people who have yet to know Jesus. There's more missionaries that have yet to be sent out on the field because of us. There's more mission trips. There's more gospel. There's more outreach that needs to happen. The church isn't done. God hasn't finished with the church. And if I decide to park and have a campfire in good, then God can never give us great. And so Egypt is not always a negative thing. This is a positive thing. You guys are wonderful. But God has more for our church. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that that is good and acceptable and perfect and the perfect will of God. Tell the person next to you something for me. Would you tell them, stop thinking about Egypt? Keep your eyes on the promised land. By having the faith in those that the Lord has appointed over you. Hebrews 13, 7 tells us a message. Remember those who rule over you. Who have spoken the word of God to you. Whose faith follow. Considering the outcome of their condom. Stop thinking about Egypt and start thinking about Canaan. And move and operate in the favor of the Lord. It's time to move forward in the things of God. It's time to stop looking one way and thinking the other. If we're going to make it on to Canaan, I hear Paul saying that we've got to forget those things which are behind and reach forward to those things which are before us and press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said that, Philippians 3, 13 and 14. He is calling us to press on. He is calling us to press forward. He is calling us to forget those things which are left behind. He's calling us to forget the would have, could have, should have. And go in favor up unto the future of what God has for us. God is a God of the past, the present, and the future. But there's nothing that's going to occur to remedy the past. The past happened. It's been lived. That's why we focus in church about the present and the future. God bless the past. We appreciate everything that was done. I stand on the shoulders of generals in this church. Many great pastors we've had in this church. And I honor their service. Thank God for them. Many great people we've had in leadership in this church over the course of several years. But guess what? I'm not going to call them back from the grave to be able to pastor this church again. I'm not going to call their their men's ministry leader back from the grave to lead our men's ministry again. 
I'm not going to call their Bible study leaders to be able to come back and lead Sunday school all over again. We've got to focus on the future. We've got to focus on what's going on right now. We've got to invest in what's happening right now. And you know what? That sounded funny for a lot of you. But the problem is, is that many of you's lives have been lived that way. If only I could call that back into existence. If only I could retrace those steps. If only I could retrace that decision. Guess what? I want to share with you something. You can't. You cannot. But here's the thing. You serve a God that does something called redemption. He redeems it. Meaning he takes all the junk that you've created in your life and he puts it back together. Maybe you first thought, Maybe your junk was a pile of a file cabinet that you wanted to build one day. And it's laying in ashes on the floor. Guess what? Jesus comes. He redeems it. And instead of giving you a file cabinet, he gives you an office desk. You see, he can change the broken pieces of your life. And it won't look the same that you thought it would at the beginning. It will look utterly and completely different. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. I want to call you out, church, this morning. If stinking thinking has robbed you of opportunities in life, if stinking thinking has kept you in chains, if stinking thinking has wrecked your family, if stinking thinking has robbed you financially, I want to encourage you this morning that the power of the Almighty is here to renew your mind and get your mind focused on the promised land, on the promises of God's blessing and a future in Him and a sense of freedom in your life that you don't have right now. This is what Jesus can do for you this morning, church. And so I want to call you, would you rise on your feet this morning? Maybe this isn't the message that you expected to hear on Mother's Day. I don't really preach well when it comes to knowing how to be a mom. Because, well, I'm not. I don't preach well from the perspective of knowing what it's like to be a woman because I'm not. And so I wanted to speak life into you. To mark Mother's Day into a pivotal moment where all that thought and those stinking thinking would be removed from your life. Maybe you're upset with God because you felt that the cards that have been dealt in your life weren't the best. God, why couldn't I have been born into another family? God, why did that person have to do this to me when I was younger? God, why couldn't I have been the person that had all those opportunities in life and got that scholarship that I wanted? God, why couldn't I have been the person that got that promotion in life? God, why did I have to be the one to, 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 to lose my business? God, why? Friends, God has given an opportunity right now for a redemption of what's gone in your life and for a restart. He wants a restart. He can reset. Hit the reset button this morning. And so I want us to be led in worship this morning. And I'm going to come back up and I want to pray with you. Because God has the ability to set some stuff in order today. And to arrange thinking, thinking, and to focus thinking that will lead you into the future. Let's worship together as a kingdom.